0: Okay, so in just a minute, I'm gonna say a word. I'm gonna want you guys to close your eyes and think of the first image that pops into your mind when I say that word. And then I'm gonna ask those of you who are brave enough to tell me what that image was, okay? So close your eyes. The word is love. Okay, open your eyes. I wanna know what popped into your mind. Oh, that was sweetest thing ever. I'm going home now. That was, I'm done, that was great. Wow. All right, what else? God, God, Jesus. Did somebody say a Harley? (laughs) Oh, a heart. (laughs) Love is a Harley Davidson. (laughs) Yeah, that's what came into my mind too, a heart. It's always like the Valentine's picture for me. What else? Puppies? Puppies? Forgiveness. You know, you said puppies? Yes. My wife was here yesterday. She said Doberman. Which is funny, because if you don't have a Doberman, that's the last thing that's going to jump into your mind. But if you have one, they're like the sweetest dogs ever. You know, they, they love you and they eat the intruders. They're the perfect dog. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to be talking about love this morning, and I want to draw you a picture of what love is. I'm going to start off by telling you a true story. And by the time we're done with church this morning, I'm going to hope that you get a different picture in your mind. All of those were good and wonderful, but I think you're going to understand where I'm heading with this. I'm going to start with telling you a story about a British, a British soldier named Lance Corporal Martin Compton. He was 22 years old, and I'm just going back a few years. This was in 2006. Uh, he was, you know, maybe at a pub, and he met this beautiful schoolteacher teacher named Michelle who was 26. He was 22, she was 26, and they hit it off. Within just a couple months they were engaged. And then a couple weeks after that, Martin was deployed to Afghanistan. So they've only known each other a few months, several weeks really. He's in Afghanistan. He, you know, the guys are sick of him. He's always talking about Michelle. One day, they're riding in their Humvee or whatever they were in, and they hit a, you know, improvised explosive device and the vehicle blew up and caught fire. He lived, but he caught fire. So he jumped out of the vehicle on fire, and as he landed, he broke his arm, and he also got shot. Because of the trauma of the explosion and the burn, we're talking like 70% of his body, um, his heart stopped, but they were able to resuscitate him. On his way to London, a total of three times his heart stopped. He ended up in a coma. While he's in London, Michelle, his fiance, is with him virtually every day. The doctor says, we don't know if he'll ever get out of this coma. And if he does, he'll probably never walk again. So while she's there with him day in and day out, she's talking to him, telling about what's going on with the friends and the family, playing music for him. All this while, he's going through reconstructive surgeries. He wakes up from his coma, and the first thing he says is, how are you doing? No ears, no nose. The fire had fused his eyelids together. No hair, and he says, how are you doing? Well, I think 15 reconstructive surgeries later, She finally gets out of the hospital. And guess what Michelle does? She schedules a date for the wedding. They get married. She gets pregnant, twins, but they don't make it. They lose the twins. A couple years later, they try again. She gets pregnant. And this time, a healthy baby is born. Can you imagine being with somebody, feeding them, brushing their teeth, washing them, sitting with their mangled features, wondering if they'll ever walk again if they wake up, and you've only known this person a few weeks? (laughs) That's what love is. Does anybody love you that much? Do you love anybody that much? Would you do that for somebody? By the way, this is what he looks like now. So I told you I want to draw you a picture of what love is. What's the first thing that comes to mind when you think about love? Look at that face. That's what Michelle thinks about. Of course, he thinks about her face. True story, they wrote a book together called Home From War. Feel free to pick it up if you want to get more of the details. Now the Bible talks a lot about love. In fact, love is the main thing in the Bible. There's a a chapter given over to it. And um, there's a, a love poem. I'm not talking about the Song of Solomon, which is another love poem. That's a romantic love song. This is just about love in general. And one translation of the Bible actually tried to put it into poetic form. Let me read it to you. Not the whole chapter, just the key verses here. Love is always patient, love is always kind. Love is never envious or arrogant with pride. Nor is she conceited and never is she rude. She never thinks just of herself or ever gets annoyed. She never is resentful, is never glad with sin. She's always glad to side with truth and pleased that truth Will win. She bears up under everything, believes the best in all, there is no limit to her hope, and never will she fall. The word love in the English Bible, just in the New Testament, occurs over 500 times. And the very first time it occurs, it's God the Father talking to Jesus, basically talking to the people saying, This is the Son I love. And from that point forward, the word floods the New Testament. There's some stumpers people throw out there in life. Like if you're a Bible believer, this is not a stumper. But for everybody else out there, they love this one. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Right? And they're like, oh, well, I don't know how to deal with that one. Like, it's easy. God made the chicken, the chicken made the egg. What's the big deal? But if you don't believe in God, and this whole evolution thing, that's quite the stumper. Which came first, the chicken of the... Philosophy has a stumper too. But it's not about God. In fact, you probably asked it. What's the meaning of life? Why are we here? What is the point of it all? And there are books written on the topic. Well, I think I've got the answer. Let me draw you a picture. Well, not a picture, because I'm not good with pictures. So let me just draw you a word. I'm almost certain you know what word I'm going to draw. What's the meaning of life? Why are we here? I believe that's the answer. I believe we are here to learn love. That's why I think we're here. We're here to learn how to receive God's love We're here to learn love. We're here to receive God's love. And we're here to learn how to give love. I believe that's the meaning of life. Everything else is just secondary. I mean, I'm not just making that up because I think love is cool. I'm basing it on 500 occurrences of the word in the New Testament and the significance of those verses. I'm basing it on uh, 1 Peter 4.8 that says this. Above all... Love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Above all, love each other deeply. Above all. That's the meaning of life. We're here to learn love. And let me tell you something. We all know a little bit about love. But that story I just shared with you about Michelle and Martin, wow. I don't know if I love anybody that much. Would I do that? I know of one person who loves me that much. It's my wife. My wife would do that. She's awesome. But wow. In quoting the Torah, the Old Testament, specifically the five books of Moses, Jesus said this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. All the rest of the Bible hangs on these two commandments. Loving God and loving others. So real real quickly, three things about love, just from this little bit I've shared with you. Um, Love is the most important thing. Love is a conscious decision. It's a commandment. God tells us we must do it. So that means we're capable of doing it, and we're capable of not doing it. We have the choice. We have the choice to love others or not. And we have the choice to love God, or not. Now, when I say love others, we all love some people. But God doesn't say love some people. He wants us to love everybody. That's when it gets dicey. So the first thing is love is the most important thing. The second thing is love is a conscious decision. We're commanded to do it. And the third thing is love is the cure for the world's ills. Love covers a multitude of sins. That uh, verse I read to you from Peter—he was actually quoting from Proverbs. There's a couple places in Proverbs where it says this, and so I found a commentary that looks at both of them, and then it said something that I just thought was totally profound. I mean, for me, it's bumper sticker worthy, because you know the most brilliant things in the universe are on people's bumpers. <laughs> I saw a bumper sticker driving here this morning. Said, my kid is a super student at such and such an elementary school. And I thought, that's an interesting bumper sticker. They must have had bumper sticker envy. Because, you know, that's just saying they're a student. Usually, my kid is on the honor roll. But no, they're, 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 they can't say that. They just want to say their kid's super. And that's, that's nice. That's a sweet thing to say. All right, so what's the bumper sticker worthiness? Let me read to you from the commentary. The former passage reads, hatred stirs up strife, that's Proverbs 10, 12, but love covers all sins. And the latter passage, Proverbs 17, 9, he that covers transgressions seeks love. In both instances, the reference is to human love, which is, here you go, human love is to consign to oblivion the sins of others. Human love is to consign to oblivion the sin of others. What does that mean? Well, Joseph, the husband, fiance of Mary. Joseph is engaged to Mary. Before they actually have the marriage ceremony and consummate their marriage, she ends up pregnant. He knows he didn't do it. So according to Jewish law, she's actually worthy to be stoned if she slept with another man. But he's not going to marry her now. So what does he do? The scripture tells us Joseph is a just man and doesn't want to make a public thing out of this. So he determines to put her away quietly. Most people would be so mad if their fiance slept around, which is what he thought she did, even though she didn't, that it would be all over Facebook. It wouldn't be put her away qu- privately. It would be you'd want to tell as many people as you can. You'd want all the support, and you'd want them to look scummy to everybody because of the evil they did. Now, Joseph, Joseph was a just man, and he wanted to divorce her, break off the engagement quietly, and not ridicule, bring ridicule upon her name. He consigned her sin to oblivion to the best of his ability. This is what God's in the business of. He's in the business of consigning sin to oblivion. Listen to what Micah says. This is uh, from the Old Testament, chapter 7, verse 19. He will again have compassion on us. So this is God talking to ancient Israel who had been under his judgment. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities, our sins. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Have any of you ever been on a boat out in the middle of the ocean? Let me see your hands. Okay, many of you. You ever drop anything overboard? Let me tell you, you drop something overboard, it's gone. That's it, it's gone. You're never going to see it again. Unless it floats. Because, you know, it could be a thousand feet deep. And when you drop something in water, it doesn't go straight down. By the way, you can't scuba dive a thousand feet deep anyway. It's too deep. But even if it was only 100 feet deep and you knew how to scuba dive, you'd still have a hard time finding it because it won't go straight down. It'll go... You know, it took them how long to find the Titanic? They knew where it sunk, sank, went under. (laughs) But it didn't just go... God's going to take our sin and just cast it into the sea. The point is gone. Consigned to oblivion. When we forgive people, somebody said forgiveness about love. When we forgive people, we're acting like God. Finally, people can act like God in the right way. Now, I don't mean to insult doctors, but (laughs) it's a standing joke. My wife's a nurse. What can I tell you? In the Garden of Eden, the devil, through the serpent, told Adam and Eve, eat from the fruit because then you'll be like God. Knowing good and evil. And they thought, hey, that's good. No, it's not good because it's not good to know evil. <laughs> it's only good to know good. When we forgive people, we know God. We act like God. We're being God like and godly. You want to be like God? Don't judge people. We get all holier than out and think we're acting all godly. No, you want to be godly? Forgive people. That's godliness. Listen to what 1 John 4 says. We are of God. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. That story I shared with you at the beginning of my lesson, it blew my mind. Then I found another story, which to me, dwarfed that one. This story, that I'm going to share with you now, just almost made me cry. Would have made me cry if I was just a little more sensitive. But when I felt the tears come, and I said, no! I'm a man, I don't cry! Let me show you the story that touched me so deeply. Let's take a look.
1: We end tonight with one of the most potent powers on Earth. It can change lives in an instant. Everyone has it. It's the power to forgive. Watch it now in action in Steve Hartman's Assignment America. Mm -hmm, In a small apartment building in North Minneapolis, a 59-year-old teacher's aide sings praise to God for no seemingly apparent reason. Indeed, if anyone was to have issues with the Lord, it would be Mary Johnson. For all you've done for me. He never had a chance. In February 1993, Mary's son, Loramian Bird, was shot to death during an argument at a party. He was 20, and Mary's only child. My son was gone. The killer was a 16-year-old kid named O'Shea Israel. I wanted justice. He was an animal. He deserved to be caged. And he was Tried as an adult and sentenced to 25 and a half years, O'Shea served 17 before being recently released. He now lives back in the old neighborhood, close to Mary. This close. He lives next door. Next door. How a convicted murderer ended up living a door jam away from his victim's mother is a story not of horrible misfortune, as you might expect, but of remarkable mercy. A few years ago, Mary asked if she could meet O'Shea here at Minnesota's Stillwater State Prison. As a devout Christian, she felt compelled to see if there was some way, if somehow, she could forgive her son's killer. What'd she say to you? I believe the first thing she said was, look, you don't know me, I don't know you, let's just start
0: with right now. And I was befuddled myself
1: O'Shea says they met regularly after that. When he got out, she introduced him to her landlord, who, with Mary's blessing, invited O'Shea to move into the building. Today, they don't just live close. They are close. Clearly, Mary was able to forgive. Unforgiveness is like cancer. It will eat you from the inside out. It's not about that other person. Me forgiving him does not diminish
0: what he's done. Yes, he murdered my son. But the forgiveness is for me. It's for me. For
1: O'Shea, it hasn't been that easy.
0: I haven't totally forgiven myself yet. I'm learning how to forgive myself. And I'm still growing towards, you know, trying to forgive myself and what it is I've done.
1: To that end, O'Shea is now busy proving himself to himself. He works at a recycling plant by day and goes to college by night. He says he's determined to pay back Mary's clemency by contributing to society. In fact, he's already working on it, singing the praises of God and forgiveness at prisons, churches, to large audiences everywhere. Forgiveness is a powerful thing. Which explains why Mary can sing her praise of thanks to her audience of one. Steve Hartman. CBS News, Minneapolis. For all you've done for me.
0: How do you forgive somebody that killed your son? I don't know. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow, isn't that what God did? Didn't he forgive someone who killed his son? You know why Jesus died. He died for our sins. It's the only way to make atonement for us. You killed his son. I killed his son. God's not holding a grudge. He gave up his life willingly and happily so he could bring us into the family. That's what she did. She brought her son's murder into her family. And what happened? She became his new son. We become the children of God when we have faith in Jesus and we come into his family. It's the most beautiful thing ever. So next time somebody says to you, which came first, the chicken or the egg? You tell them the chicken. God made the chicken and the chicken made the egg. And next time somebody asks you, what's the meaning of life? You tell them it's love. It's to learn love, to receive God's love and to learn to give God's love then you show him Jesus let's pray Lord God wow thank you for this amazing woman and to see her son's killer become a gospel preacher wow I'm speechless Lord you want us to learn love I pray you would teach us love Help us to be loving like Michelle, who cared for Martin, and like this woman who loved her son's killer. Teach us to be loving like you're loving. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.